When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brandon Vogel has slid in. If you're not uh, watching, you, you would you would not have known this because he did so quietly. So if you're just listening, Brandon has slid onto the screen here and he has joined us and he is a master statistician, among other things, managing editor. Okay, so here are the prop bets. You, you might not be able to actually see them on the screen. Brand, we, we ran out of uh, graphic design money and this is all we could come up with. It's a screenshot, literally, of another, like somebody took a picture and then uploaded this, but that's what we're going with. So they're saying that Nebraska, here, here is the bet for, uh, for points per game, essentially, is 28.3, right? 28.3 is what the total is. But then we break it out into the piece parts, what we just did, rushing touchdowns, passing touchdowns, field goals. You're at 45.9 points per game. If you if those lines hold, using your statistician brain, what does that mean? How do we win some money on this thing? Because those things do not equate in any way. No, um, and you're on the right track. Like anytime you are presented with kind of a, a list of season over unders, yep. you got to look at how it fits together. Of like, mm-hmm. if you just treat them as each an individual proposition of like, yeah, I think it'll be over twenty eight points a game. Sure. Um, well, and you're going to bet multiple of these. You got to make sure you got to make sure it makes sense. So Elijah sent me this list last night. How do you make money here? Um, yeah. Well, one, it's tough <laughs> because <laughs> the the odds here um, you're getting you're getting juiced both ways on most of these minus the the AP ranking where you can get plus one fifteen. Um, but for me, I think the best bet of this, and you guys, I don't even know if you guys have gotten to it yet. Total penalty yards, 499.5. Nebraska's been over mm. that each of the last five seasons, not including 2020, because mm. they didn't play 12 games. Um, not only over it in the last five, over 608 of 11 Big Ten seasons. And that rule was over 600 all three years at Baylor. Mm. Like, okay. 499.5, and you know, I'm trying to figure out what the trap is here, feels, feels low. Uh, to me, and I usually mm-hmm. don't have those ones where I'm just like, yeah, that that seems off because I, I trust the algorithms and, and the bookmakers to be smarter than I am. But that's the one that jumped out to me that I would take. Um, hmm. Rushing TDs is probably a better bet to me to go over than passing TDs. Since best best season, and granted, he dealt with injuries, but even when he played that full year in 2020, which I think was 11 games for him. Had 13 passing touchdowns. So, I don't know. I just uh, – the one that surprised me was the field goals. What do you guys feel about 18.5? Just gut reaction. It, I mean, so that's one and a half a game. It, that feels low to me. I, I, I think I, your kicker gets likely going to average two per game, I think, throughout the course of the season, two field goal attempts, if not more. The question is, is is the conversion rate? Is Alvano, if he's the guy, is he going to be able to convert 
at a normal clip for a, a power five division one kicker. I think that's kind of the question to me on the field goal scored. It's, it's not going to be the chances. I think you're going to have your chances to get 18 and a half. The question is, are you able to convert as a true freshman stepping in, assuming Albano's the guy? Here, yeah. I think here's where they came up with that number real quick. Guess how many Nebraska made last year? Just quit. Please don't look. Field goals? Yeah. I looked last night, so. Okay, I, I so you're allowed. disqualified. You're disqualified. I'll just, nine. They had nine. nine? The year before that, no. they made nine. The year before that, they made eight. They were eight of 16. Right? That's as many you're... times as Ferris Bueller was uh, truant during a quarter. Year before that, nine you're at times. Year before that, you're at 12. Year they have, before they that, haven't, you're they at haven't gone o- 14. They haven't gone over this over this number since 2015 drew brown wow oh my God. that's a hell of a stat right there because 18 and a half doesn't seem like that many field goals throughout the course of the season and drew brown he had 21 that year he had 21 and here's, that was that was mike riley's debut year yeah here, here's the thing if you're this sounds bad but if you're settling for 18 and a half field goals Man, you are miserable, fellas, about what could have been in the red zone for you. You'll take the three, but how many of those are going to be, you know, 20 to 25-yard field goals or 30-yard field goals right, right where on the, the doorstep of getting six with the extra wow. point? That's your difference in are you competing for a West title, are you middle of the pack in the West, or are you looking up at the West? You know what? You know what's surprising here is you, you have to go all the way back to 09. Like the high water mark since 09 was 24 field goals. So that's like Elijah, when you said two a game, that checks out just logically, right? That's just what you think. But Nebraska has not done that since 09. Right? Like, fourth of that's the... a freaking long time ago. That's a really long and, time. And, and, and that and was the a fourth... terrible offense. A fourth of those field goals in 09 from Alex Henry came against Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, wow. So, you to... so that's actually a pretty high number then, really. If you look at Nebraska historically, field yeah, goals I made. Just, yeah. yeah, I just pulled up nationally. 24 teams went over that, and that's, that's before you remove any bowl games. So you'd only have 12 games to hit this. Um, and wow. The, like – yeah, because my gut reaction was too was like, I'll feel pretty good about Nebraska's kicker situation, but gotta gotta dig into the, the numbers a little bit and see what's see what's realistic here. Brandon, one of the last so, lines so I'd like oh continue, Mark. I was just gonna real quick say, so that's basically Vegas essentially saying they're setting the line at Nebraska being top twenty in the country in field goals made. Basically, yeah, yeah. If you're if you if you go yeah. over in that, if you got 19 after 12 games, like you're probably going to be in top 15, top 10. Mm. Um, because let's see what led the country last year. North Carolina State had 29. Michigan had 29 makes. Um, you know, Michigan played 14 games. But mm-hmm. Brandon, one of the last things I want to dive into here quickly is I think the line that is probably going to be. Aside from the ranking in the top 25, probably the biggest barometer for success for this Husker football team this year. That's the most rushing yards by any individual Husker set here at 799 and a half. It's an interesting line. 
Uh, I don't think Nebraska's been over that, dating back to Divine and Zigbo. Uh, you might have to check my math there, but that's the last one I found a Nebraska running back going over 799 and a half yards in a Grant season. went went nine Grant fifteen last year. Oh, that's on me. Yeah. That's yep. on me. But yep. uh, but but yep. Brandon, what's your your thoughts on that line? Does Nebraska get a running back, or I guess a quarterback as well, over 799 and a half yards rushing? Yeah, my, my gut reaction uh, when I first saw, looked at the number was I, I could see I could see a rusher going over that. Um, but the other thing you have to balance here is like not just okay what what happened at Nebraska over whatever period do you think is relevant. I just kind of like chose the last five seasons uh, again throwing out twenty twenty because we didn't have enough games. Um, but I also look back at rules time at Baylor which, you know, is that an accurate model for, for what Nebraska is going to be? Who knows? Neither, yeah. neither of them is perfect. Um, Rule didn't have a, a rusher go over that number at, at Baylor. And it was because, uh, you know, they, they really kind of spread the carries around, which we've heard a little bit of talk about, you know, this fall camp. And you hear talk about it every fall camp everywhere. Um, so that, that kind of becomes the one that would maybe push me to the under. Is, is there one guy here? who's going to be, I mean, we remember Anthony Grant and like, I, I felt bad for the guy by the time late October, November rolled around. Cause it was oh, like, geez. it was clear the talent was there and like, there was just no place to run, but he was what Nebraska had. They kept giving him the ball and he, he got up over 900 yards. I don't think that's going to be the case this season. Yeah. Brennan uh, Bogle's with us weekend edition. It's hail varsity. And uh, we stream on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel and Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Vogues, let's dive in. And if I was having to handle a little bit of a puppy emergency in the basement, so forgive me for stepping away. Don't know if you touched on this yet or not, but just what's your feel on the receiver room here as we are two weeks away from Minnesota? We'll have some clarity on that from Coach Rule after practice with who's available, who's not. But we know guys have not been available this week. Is that a position you're concerned about? Or do you think young guys can get coached up and step up? I, I think they can get coached up. Are they are they ready to contribute uh, in, in game one? That's a, that's a big-time opponent you're facing week one. Yeah, as we've gotten a little deeper into fall camp, and like you said, we'll hear from Rule today and, and see where – where the update is from the last one received we received that room like hopefully hopefully marcus washington is able to get fully back after after getting back from a a, an initial injury and suffering a different one that's a big one um because i kind of looked at him as you know one of the quote-unquote knowns um a guy who maybe was poised to have an even better year than last year And, and last year was was pretty good when you actually sit down and look at it um they really need somebody like Billy Kemp to be good. Uh, I know Rule has mentioned a couple of walk-ons in that room, um, which you know, you give the head coach the benefit of the doubt. The guy that the guys that see what these players do every day. That said, you know, the past four, five, six years of, of Nebraska has been there've been a lot of walk-on receivers who contributed, mm-hmm. but it's always been one of those things where the room's pretty big. Is it like? Were these recruiting misses? Were they attrition? Were they injuries? Like, what is it? So that, you know, it, it doesn't raise a, a, a red flag, but it at least makes you take note. So I think coming into camp, receiver was probably the, the group with the most to sort out on, on offense, and it hasn't gotten easier, I guess would be the way that I would put that. Mm. 
Yeah. Hey, real quick aside on Anthony Grant, by the way, through the first five games last year, he had 600 of his 915. So he was averaging 120 a game through his first five, 315 total in his last seven for an average of 45. So that's how much of that a cliff that was 120 yards a game through first five, 45 per game through the last seven. So, wow. Falling off a cliff that like, like crazy. Um, yeah. Um, by the way, Eric, Eric Francis in on, uh, on our comments here, taking the over on Tristan all day, multifaceted guy, Eric hail varsity shooter, photographer, uh, coming in noted gambling Cap- expert now. Yeah. Capture some <laughs> of those stuff, please, now we say that about the receivers, about how it seems thin, but at the same time, you're rolling into a season with three, at least three, unless I'm forgetting somebody, three proven receivers. I, w- I wouldn't say any of them are superstars, but they're dependable. They're like they're they're solid. They're good, right? They're they're starter level. You, you got, of course, Kemp, um, who's already gotten one of those low numbers. One of the new things that Matt Rule's doing, where you you kind of are awarded. Um, those those single digit numbers are awarded based on if you earn them, and Kemp is one of those guys already. One of the first four, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. We saw what he did in Dublin um, before he left, and he was productive at New Mexico before that. And then you got uh, Marcus Washington, who was okay at Texas and was Nebraska's solid number two last year. So that's three dudes, all with. You know, diff- they're kind of different. All of them, you know, not a lot of them are. Uh, it's like you have three of one body type. You got the little slot guy in Kemp. You got the possession guy in in Washington. You got Garcia Castaneda who can break away. I mean, that's not bad, right? That's that's I, I, a lot of teams don't have that coming into the year. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Garcia Castaneda. I think along with Kemp, um, he based on, you know, where things stood earlier this week with Nebraska's receiver room, I think he becomes like maybe one B in terms of most important guys there. Um, has, has played, played some good football, played one good game at Nebraska. And then, you know, things got, got weird on multiple fronts, you know, I'm not just saying for him. The other thing with him is like, I probably, this, this may have been more dangerous than informative, but this week I, I spent some time going through the seven, uh, 10% lists that Nebraska football release going into camp. Hmm. Garcia Castaneda was in five of seven. Um, okay. So he's been a guy who's by this coaching staff's, you know, own internal measures and, and metrics here. Uh, he's been among the top group. Um, he's doing the things I think they want to see him do. And I think that's, you know, going to end up being pretty meaningful when you can add that to what we've seen from him, both, you know, at his previous stop and then in a, a, just a tiny cup of coffee at Nebraska last season. It's Brandon Vogel with us here, a weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, Moonbot calls his shot here in the comments section. He says, uh, excuse me, let's get the right comment up on the screen. Billy the Kid will be second team all-conference. I called it for Palmer last year and got that one. Tell me, Brandon, in your opinion, what type of season will it take from Billy Kemp in order to, to get – second team all-conference honors. I know the the end-of-season all-conference honors aren't the be-all, end-all of did you have a successful season, but when Moonbot calls his shot, what do you think it'll take for for Moonbot to be correct? Um, 
it's tough. I mean, I mean Trey Palmer was at, was second team all conference last year. And that was a huge season. I mean, it set Nebraska's okay. single season record for most receiving yards in a year, and that got him second team all conference honors. Is that the type of season that's going to be required in the modern college football? Probably. I mean, you just look at Ohio State's wide receiver core and be like, well, there's your there's your two first team all Big Ten wide receivers, um, and you know they'll probably both have over a thousand yards in that offense if you know there's not a huge drop off at quarterback so trey at a thousand last year making second team is useful like i was going to say you might have to get to probably 700 receiving yards and, and boost the touchdown total like i don't know what touchdown total you need let's call it eight nine probably that might get you there um it obviously depends on what else happens in the big 10 but i think if you're if you're over 700 um, and you're, you're over that five, six, seven touchdown mark. Like that's, that's a second team all conference season, because if you're making first team all big 10, um, with some of the guys that are in the league, like you're, you're also like all American contention at that point. Well, I mean, with Marvin Harrison in the league, we're talking potential Heisman candidacy there. Like that, that would be yeah. insane. And, and just a quick follow up to that point, Brandon, our friends over at big red junkies, they, uh, hop in the stream here and ask a question to prop. As we were talking props just a little bit earlier in the show, Kemp over under 69 and a half total catches on this season. Nebraska's wide receiver record is 75. That's that's a really interesting one. Um, that's one where my first thought is going to be to go back to to Baylor just to see. Jalen Hurd had 69 in 2018 in only 12 games. 69.5 feels like a pretty solid number. Um, I'd probably go under... Um, same yeah but um just because i don't think if if they are doing this the way they want to do it uh there might be that many catches for him to to have that said watching some of satterfield's south carolina games recently like they got really creative with with how they got guys to football brandon vogel with us here on the weekend edition vogues we are talking about camp and what it will take for that all-conference recognition Say he does that. Who are you gonna circle to uh, to be his co-pilot? What will that do for the other receivers slash tight ends? Are you thinking okay if if Kemp has such a big year, that means Sims has had a big year with his arm. That's nice for the offense. That translates into points. But you need a you need a, a tag team partner. So are you gonna lean towards? IGC as that that kind of co-pilot? Do you like what uh, maybe you have in, in a guy like Marcus Washington? Do you think Fedoni is lighting it up? Or, hey, how about this freshman that made ESPN's top 50 list in Malachi Coleman, either freshman or transfer impact players? Do you lean towards a Coleman or a Jalen Lloyd? I mean, I'm just asking, okay, it's great for, for one guy to, to stand out and, and have a great year, but you also need some help catching the football. Who, who do you like as kind of that, that number two option for Nebraska to also have a big year? Yeah, um, it, it seems to me that it, Garcia Castaneda would be my first thought. Like if, if Billy Kemp is going to be like second team all-conference caliber primarily in the slot. Um, the first thought is it, it probably opens up some things on the outside um, for, for one of those other receivers. But, you know, beyond another another pass catcher, 
what what that would really say to me is is probably that Sims was as good and probably better than than what you hoped and what you needed him to be. Um, and also, you know, this is how football is; it gets complicated quickly. Like it probably means you are pretty effective in in the run game as well. If if Billy mm-hmm. Kemp can put up the type of numbers to to be in contention for second team All Big Ten, so. It all uh, it all kind of fits together that way. But if I had to choose one, I would say Billy Kemp. We have fast forwarded. He's he's second team All Big Ten. What does what does that tell you? It, the first thing it would tell me is that Jeff Sims was was what they hoped they were getting. Okay, we got a small sample size with the spring game. That's that's when we've seen the combination of offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield, quarterback Jeff Sims, and what they do in the in the throwing game. And I think he only had 13 attempts or something like that. Again, small sample size, but um, he was, he was pretty good over the middle in that short to intermediate stuff. Right. Didn't see, I don't don't remember him going up top a ton. Um, Maybe he did, but I, I feel like he was hitting guys in stride, like really well, really, really well on that short to intermediate stuff. Is, is that part of Satterfield's game from what you've seen? And he, he's going to change it because it's this blend of like the Temple and Baylor offense with South Carolina last year and and all that. But do they take advantage of that? Is it is it sort of a ball control passing game? Do we expect that? If so, that affects, I think, who you're talking about here. And Marcus Washington all of a sudden enters the chat. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I would agree because that was that was my kind of feeling with Washington last year. Is you know Trey Palmer was like there, we need something to happen. Find throw it to that guy. Marcus Washington made a lot of pretty tough catches um, from from what I remember of, of twenty twenty two. So watching South Carolina against Clemson and Tennessee, which granted were like item one and item two on Marcus Satterfield's twenty twenty two resume, it may not have been the the fairest look. But it was a lot of that. They did a lot, particularly against Tennessee, of coming out, throwing on first down. Um, a lot of, you know, kind of seven, eight-yard eight yard routes. Just set yourself up in something manageable for um, for second and third downs. And, and then and you know, Rattler's, kind of, Rattler's good at that too, right? Like, yeah, yeah. and as, yep. as they got as they got kind of rolling and could consistently be in, you know, advantageous down a distance, they started things started getting a little bit crazy. There was wide receiver pass. I think there was a quarterback throwback at some point. Um, handful mm-hmm. of, of reverses, which you know would be somebody that I think Kemp really fits fits that type of role for for them. So. Yeah, I, I, I do think kind of the controlled passing game, the like, hey, let's let's get through your progression. But you know, Jeff Sims is is his four year quarterback at this point. Like, and if you believe in his arm talent, which we know that they do, like take take the easy throw. Like take take the six, seven yards. We'll get our chance to to go downfield if we just keep doing that consistently. Brendan here. Uh, before yeah. we get you out, and as we welcome Gary Sharp into the show here, we have a question in from Fred while we're discussing the pass catchers. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the tight end room and Eric Gilbert. We saw some some precedents laid down by the NCAA in this past week about giving uh, an additional waiver for guys who are transferring beyond that one free transfer, and it's not looking good for Eric Gilbert. I feel like maybe from the outside looking in, the coaching staff may feel the same way in terms of Gilbert's eligibility this upcoming season. What kind of feel are you getting? And maybe we'll go to Gary as well in terms of what type of feel he's getting with Eric Gilbert. Yeah, I mean, the, the trend broadly, and I know there are exceptions, seems to be that like 
athletes really get the benefit of the doubt most of the time with this and with with Gilbert you know we know there were some ex- some unique circumstances to it um, that don't make it like yeah this guy's just bounced around um, for for no good reason so I kind of entered this thinking hey, he'll probably get it but I think the latest we've been hearing is this may not be done before the season starts, which doesn't mean it won't happen during the season, but it's just insane. The way it was put uh, put to one of our reporters is like, it's probably just sitting on a desk somewhere in Indianapolis and, and nobody's gotten to it yet. Oh, come on, man. We got Fleck coming up in 19 days. <laughs> the, the countdown is on. The countdown is on. Sharpie, good to see you, bud. Good to see you. So, uh, on on to add to Brandon's point, Minnesota has a starting defensive back that they're waiting on, uh, hmm. a defensive back by the name of Craig McDonald, who went to Iowa State and then went to Auburn, and is supposed to play a significant amount for Minnesota. They're waiting on his as well. I think hmm. um, you know people looked at what happened with North Carolina and Florida State earlier this week on a two-time transfer waiver request that was denied. Which, if you look at, it, you go, come on. But the NCAA, the reason they have this, we're not allowing you to transfer them for the second time, because they don't have people to investigate this. You know, if, if somebody says, oh, I'm moving closer to home because mom isn't feeling well, well, they probably have to look into it. They're not looking into these things. And so that was disappointing. But I think from Nebraska's standpoint with Gilbert is there are two things that I'm hearing that are easier to present in a second time transfer. One is if let's say you were abused mentally or physically and you have to transfer to another school. You were at Northwestern. Yeah. Yeah. That that's an automatic you're signed off. The next one is how is your mental health? You know, we looked at the Drew Ott situation and he brought up mental health, but back when Drew Ott was trying to get an extra year at Iowa, mental health was really kind of eh now it's like first and foremost, it's part Front of the discussion. And, and so the Nebraska approach, and remember, Nebraska waited a while before they put in this waiver. Nebraska did not put in this waiver until May, um, even though they knew that they would need one once he got on campus. But they have approached it from being at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln, Nebraska, with our resources is better for the mental health of uh, a, Eric or Eric Gilbert on and off the field. Mm. And he's in a better spot here than he was previously. And he's at a comfort level. And that's why that's part of the reason, you know, we believe that we should get a waiver for him to play for the second time. So, you know, I, I, I agree, you know, of, of the, that it's sitting on a table somewhere. I, I think if you're Nebraska, you would like it to be moved along a little bit further because you have some, yeah. you know, you're, you're at a position group where, they're starting to move Fedoni around. Fedoni is playing in the slot a little bit. So, hmm. you know, they've got, got a that flex tight end. Yeah. Okay. So, so they've got a, you know, they don't have a, they don't have a ton of bodies there that you go, oh yeah, that guy will play. So I think Nebraska would like to have a sense of urgency, but we've been in this game long enough, guys. The NCAA isn't saying, uh, we're on Nebraska's clock. No, we're on their clock, unfortunately. And unfortunately for hmm. the young man who, if he's not allowed to play, will stay on the team, and they will probably help him get ready for the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll be uh, interesting to see how it plays out. Vogues will uh, get caught up again this week, and we're inching closer to Minneapolis. A few storylines, and should be pretty interesting post-scrimmage today from Coach Rule. 
Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend.